Agents Podcast. Hey, real estate agents, it's Tristan with Lab Code Agents. And a few years back, we introduced a company to the real estate world called Box Brownie. By this time, I think everyone's heard about Box Brownie and what they do. You use them to edit your pictures and to make floor plans and amazing eye-catching renders and virtual tours. They do everything for your pictures, for your properties, test them out, but they've got something new out and it's called Snap Snap Snap, which you can technically do everything on your phone. Go to boxbrownie.com, check them out. They also have this piece where you can input information and they will give you the marketing remarks for that property that's a beautiful thing does ai copywriting for you do me a favor though because we've got a great sale with them go to boxbrownie.com sign up today with the code lca rocks that's r-o-c-k-s to receive three image enhancements one day to dusk plus twenty dollars off your first project and all customers receive 10 free AI copywriting jobs per month. There you go. Thank you so much. Let's get this started. Because the management and transparency is what's very important. So once you submit a referral, you're going to have your own home advantage account and it's going to tell you where everything sits. So if you have 10 referrals that you've sent into the network, it's going to give you all 10 referrals. It's going to tell you every milestone that that client is sitting in, whether they're touring homes, whether they're in escrow. And you now can manage through the Home Advantage application as far as what your pipeline looks like for the referrals that you've sent. And so it's pretty sophisticated uh, and it's, it's all click of a button, guys. So today I've got a new term that many of you probably are not familiar with as I was not familiar with it until I was introduced to our guest today. And that word or term is called hypernomics. And here's the most simple, simple way that I'll put it from their mouth. Uh, this, <laughs> this concept replaces the law of supply and demand with the law of value and demand. And as I was reading through this hypernomics concept and learning a little bit about our guest, Doug, Doug Howarth, uh, I was actually struggling to understand how this will apply to real estate. I'm sure it, it does, and, and, and you're, you're going to explain that to us. But Doug, that's really what I want to dive into today, because as I as I mentioned that in this intro, I think a lot of people are going to look at this and say, OK, what what in the hell does this have to do with our podcast, Jeff? And uh, that's why we have you here, Doug, because I'm curious okay. to learn right. because because that's that's our job. Our job is to provide value to our community, our industry and give them something tangible that they can walk away with. So I trust you're going to do that today. So, so Doug, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're coming from from the West Coast, so tell us, you know, kind of your pathway to where you are today, and then let's get deep into how we can bring value. Oh, okay, to sure. Um, well, I I uh, I'm living out here in Santa Clarita, California, which is just north of Los Angeles, about 25 miles north. I um, Went to work for Lockheed Martin after I got out of university. Was there for 31 and a half years at their Skunk Works institution. And um, always wondered why certain projects might have failed. 
And that was kind of running in the background of my mind. And I'd also seen some math that was presented to me when I was in high school that I didn't quite think was fully fleshed out. And so uh, one day when the wife and I went out to buy a washing machine, I realized that when she was buying the washing machine, she was looking at the, the, the uh, she said, so we stand in front of a washing machine. She says, well, this washing machine is bigger than the one we have at home. And I got to thinking, well, it's capacity versus the price. Now, this relating back to real estate, that might be the square footage relative to the price. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, well, she's looking at two things at the same time. And then she said, I also want to have more cycles. I need more delicate cycles than I have at home. And I got to thinking cycles versus price. Well, that's kind of like looking at lot size versus price. And that the model we saw, I liked it, but the, I liked the one that was just above it. You know, they have different product lines. And the next, we looked at the next one, I pointed it to her and she's, I said, well, what about this one? She said, well, that's too expensive. And then I realized that we, along with everybody else in this, in, in this store and every other store was part of figuring out how many were sold at, you know, the quantity sold relative to the price. And so we had been looking at, the capacity and the cycles and the price and the quantity, I realized that she was solving a four-dimensional problem in her head. And I realized that that happened for everything. And uh, that's what made me race off. I left my job and uh, formed my own company. And uh, I have a book now that's going to be published through Wiley called Hypernomics. Uh, and the subtitle of the book is Using Hidden Dimensions to Solve Unseen Problems. So in real estate, you actually look at dimensions. The dimensions would be, well, you know, how far does the house go back and how far is it across? In other words, what's the square footage? I mean, it's got a bunch of different rooms and you add them up. And it's got a lot size and it's got a proximity to the beach or to a mountaintop or to something else that's, that's desirable. And it turns out you can weigh all these things. So I, I've watched several real estate shows. I'm sure everybody in your audience has seen those real estate shows. I mean, it's a big deal. But, but So my wife loves Selling Sunset and, and all these guys out here. And, you know, everybody's, you know, and, and especially when you're talking to the real high-end stuff that one of your partners is out here in Westlake Village, you've got houses that are low seven digits to low eight digits that uh, are selling and these people are doing all these calculations in their heads. And, and, and interestingly, everybody does these calculations collectively, and that, that's what forms the market. But sometimes you're going to be under that estimate, the, the, the best estimate, and sometimes you're going to be over. And so the disadvantage of being priced too high, as you know, in real estate, well, then the, the market, the, 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 the house or the, the building is on the market too long. If you're underpriced, you get everybody rushing in and uh, well, here in California, you can maybe, you know, get a bidding war going, but you've got the other problem that if you're underpriced, you may have left some money on the table. And so the idea is, is to figure out the, the best price for any one product that you want to put out on the, on the market. So in your case, a, uh, a, a home, you know, what's that, what is this home worth versus that one versus the one over there? this heart against the beach. And, and with using this technique, it's able, you were able to figure that out. And then, the, you know, the, as it would apply to real estate agents, well, if you've got a, an eight-digit house, 
that's on the market. You, you don't want it to be on the market for forever. So my, our favorite example in this realm is there was a, a house on the Hudson River north of New York City. I think it was entitled Stone Mansion. And it was a fabulous property. It was massive. It, uh, as the name implied, it was built out of stone, the stone facade. A really nice you know, decor, massive square footage, huge lot, overlooks the Hudson. It was fabulous. And it was priced about three standard, uh, well, about, about $50 million higher than it needed to be priced. And so this thing stayed on the market for years before it sold. Now, if you have the luxury of maybe living in the house and you don't care, well, maybe that's not a big deal to you. But if you're if you're the real estate agent that's holding that thing and you keep trying to sell it and your client won't listen to reason listen to the reason of the market to drop the price, then you're left holding a holding the bag on that thing and you you're putting you're pouring all these hours into it and you know nothing happens. And so the idea of this this technique would be to say, well, what's the the best price for this thing. And you might price a little bit above what the prediction might be, you know, because there's always somebody out there or very often there's somebody out there that says, well, I'm going to bid more than mm. what the average person would because I like that particular property a lot. And so it might make sense to be a little bit above the, the prediction, but not massively over the prediction. If you're massively over the prediction, you're, you're setting yourself up to be in hold, to holding that property for years upon years that same thing happened to um in london there's a very famous building now called the shard maybe you've seen a picture of it it looks mm -hmm. like a, a big very narrow pyramid mm -hmm. and it's uh it wants to be a combination of a residency and uh, a financial institution but it's as you would say you know here in la you'd say what's on the wrong side of the boulevard you know if you're in the valley well, in London, you'd say it's on the wrong side of the river. It's not on the north side of the river where the financial district is. It's on the south side of the river. It's over towards you know Wimbledon and places like that. And so they tried to price this, the uh, luxury suites in that thing at a really extraordinarily high price. And they went three and four years before they started to sell these things out. And they, they gradually had to drop the price. But that's a lot of inventory to be holding for a long period of time because you didn't do the analytics to figure out what the proper price was. And so, as you know, the price is a function of the square footage and the lot size, the proximity to the beach, but also the zip code. So, you know, the zip code makes a huge difference. If the average um, income in a zip code is $200,000, all the houses in that, that zip code will fetch more than houses that have the average income of being $100,000. And so you need to weigh all these things out to get the best answer. And that, that's kind of what we're trying to do. So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, yes. As you're talking about, uh, you know, the Shard building, which ironically, I was there uh, last year and it was, it, we went, we went up it and all that kind of stuff. But oh, cool. it, I, th I think what you're saying is, is as it relates to real estate, it's like they built this building, which is very unique and stands out very much so mm -hmm. in, in London, obviously. Uh, but be, they, they, I guess, assumed, and a lot of homeowners or building owners do the same thing. Just because my building or home is so much different and better and newer and has these features, 
it doesn't matter where I place it. It's going to be worth the value down the street, mm -hmm. so to speak, north side of the river, right. south side of the river. And they were very much wrong. And had they had they done the proper homework, I would say they would have potentially sold out almost immediately. Or or do you think it's even a case of, well, let's just see if we can get it. Um, what, what's kind of your take on that? And then like, I want to figure out how we can apply this to a real estate agent. Yeah, well, it, it could be a factor of two things too. So, you know, uh, even before Jeff, even before they put the property up, the decision comes like, are you going to, where are you going to put the property up? So they chose the south side of the river. Well, the property's cheaper over there, right? Mm -hmm. The north side of the river is more expensive. So they might have said, well, we're going to, we'll build something on the less expensive side and we'll build something that's just as expensive. But what you start to discover is that being on the more expensive side will automatically, for every building in it, compared to the buildings on the cheaper side, you know, fetch more money when you're starting to sell it. So even before you make the decision that you're going to build it, you need to make the decision where you're going to build it. In here in uh, LA, there's an interesting phenomenon. Now, maybe you've heard of this. Have you heard of the, the phenomenon called the walk score for commercial real estate? Mm -mm, I've heard of it, but I'm not very familiar with it. Well, I, I wasn't familiar with it either. And I looked it up and and there's a company out there called walk score that, that scores out the, the usefulness, or I should say the ease with which somebody can walk from a commercial building to surrounding, uh, you know, facilities like, you know, barbershop, uh, salon, restaurant, groceries, restaurants, mm -hmm. you know, and so it works out here in LA that if you have a walk score that they score from, I think zero to hundred, it, it, it worked out for a period of time, uh, some time ago that if you took two, two buildings in the exact same zip code which yeah and you you suppose that the household income was a hundred thousand dollars and you got yourself a ten thousand square foot building that it worked out that if they had something had a walk score of 45 it would be worth about four million but if it had a walk score of 90 it would be over eight million it would be more than double the value and so the, there's the proximity to services if you're a commercial building there's the proximity to high-end shops if you're a residential building. And, and so the people at the Shard didn't take that into consideration when they were building it. And, um, you know, it ended up costing them. So the, the decision they could make was, in retrospect, well, how much more would it have cost for them to go across the river? I mean, if you've been in London, you know that if you're in uh, Bulgar uh, Bulgaria or um, Chelsea or Kensington, those are those are high end real estate zones. And then you, you, you kind of walk over towards Mayfair and you're moving over until the financial district. Those are high end zones. And, and you, you're not, it's not dramatically falling off as you go to the South, but it is falling off enough that it makes a difference, especially when you cross the river. And that's what they, that's their, their potential air there. The same thing happened at stone mansion in, uh, you know, North of, uh, North of New York city. They, they, price this thing way too high and uh, it wouldn't sell. And um, so one of the, one of the examples we give in our class is we will, we would have people because you can actually retrieve this data pretty easily now from someplace like, uh, Oh, what's the real estate? 
I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking MLS on the name of the, or like the MLS, but there's also a, a, a retail one that you can pull the data from. Um, there's a lot Zillow's of the world and and Realtor.coms and then there's a lot of services where you can pull yeah well you can, data. yeah pull the data from the Realtors.com say and you you find all these houses and so what we do is out here in California we we were comparing Montecito California which is a very wealthy small town near Santa Barbara California uh, Oprah Winfrey has a place in there and we're comparing that to uh, a town in Connecticut that's also against the water. And the town of Connecticut's got ocean views and everything like that, but it's not in California. And so there's a difference between people actually pay to be in a better climate. And so it turns out that the houses in Connecticut are uniformly less expensive than the ones in Montecito because there's a difference in how people perceive the value of the house based on, on the climate and where it's, where it's located. Mm -hmm. And so that's something else you can drive into this, the, these analyses. And so the, the big concern for a real estate agent is, geez, I don't want to be left holding the bag for, you know, 100 plus, 200 plus days, or in the case of Stone Mansion for a thousand days. Or at, at the same time, I don't want to underprice it and basically short my clients. And that that's kind of what this is looking at. And then so it's also trying... Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say so. So how how different is is applying something like a hypernomics to what a real estate agent does now, which is you know obviously there are agents probably like the one with with the house, the stone mansion, where they probably were somewhat pressured by the seller to list the home mm -hmm. for what the seller wanted to list it for, and sure. the, the agent chose not to to fire back with or counter with the data that backed up what it was worth because they were afraid they right. wouldn't get the listing but in the, in hindsight did it really matter because you just spent several years marketing and putting time into listing a home mm -hmm. that's never going to sell that's kind of like to me that's real estate 101 and 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 a, and a real estate agent is going to use things through Maris or the MLS that that says you know, uh, we're going to use compar comparable sales and it's going to be comparable size and, you know, comparable neighborhoods and these kind of things that are going to help us to determine and establish a fair market value based right. upon other sales. So how is this different? What is different about this than the way it is done traditionally today? It's, it's, uh, it's basically an extension of what they're doing today. When they look at, when they're looking at comps, they might look at two or three or four or five, six houses that are nearby and then try to judge it on that. What this would do is it say, look, everything is a substitute for everything else. And so if you're looking at real estate in Montecito, you don't look for the five houses that are close to it. You look in all of Montecito, which has got its population of 10,000. Then you look in Santa Barbara and you look down in Carpinteria. You look at Santa Barbara going uh, north and west and you look in Carpinteria going south and east. And you get a bigger database so that you can actually figure out how people respond to the, you know, the smaller houses away from the beach versus the bigger houses closer to the beach and also the income thing. You need to have uh, more data injected into your analysis to be actually refine it. So there, people are doing, people are on the right path when they look at the, the comps. That is completely, that's a, a completely understandable way to go about it and you will get relatively good answers but you can refine the answers further if you get more more data behind it and so when you're talking about some of the prices that are going on out here it's it's uh 
Oh, it's Zillow. That's what I was thinking. So you get a Zillow gives you a zestimate of, mm -hmm. of what the houses are worth. And Zillow is pretty accurate. So you might retrieve all these prices out of Zillow. And uh, you you can actually form a database on that. And, and then you can work out your price estimate for a new house or whatever house is on the market using these these uh, these posted prices for sale for for um, houses for sale. Ideally, what you would do is you get the houses have closed, like the ones that you said for the comps. And you'd go off to a different database for that. But the idea would be that you'd have more data so that you wouldn't necessarily just point to one house and say, well, I looked at this house over here. It was on the same block. It was 20% uh, bigger. And so I priced this house 20% higher or 20% cheaper. And, you know, it's in a zone, but what if you've left out, you know, when you're talking seven digits, what if you left out, you know, a, a $50,000 or $100,000 difference in the house because you didn't take the time to look at it. and uh, you know, you can get these, if you do the type of analytics that we're talking here, uh, you can get these answers for far, often for far less than the, the difference between what it is that you received as a realtor versus what you could have received. And that's the idea is to try to drive the, the returns back to the realtor and to the clients to their best possible outcome. Mm -hmm. that, that's what you want to be able to do. Well, well, first thing I have to say is most real estate agents will disagree that the estimates are accurate, but it depends on the market. Um, yeah. Historically, the, the Zillow is like the big, uh, hairy, ugly animal in the room that <laughs> no real estate agent likes because it's essentially coming for their job. Uh, so I will say that, sure. but right. but but mm -hmm. as far as as far as this is concerned, and and I'm I'm trying to understand the best way to articulate and use this if I'm a real estate agent, um, or to maybe you know add another you know a bullet in my gun so to speak. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, right. and 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 what I'm hearing you say is that you know using the data that most real estate agents are using. And this is a big point for me because because mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a coach on the social media side. It's all about differentiation, and so it's always sure. like, what are you doing to define your brand, to build your business, and is everything that you're doing basically just lumping you in to the masses because everybody's doing the same thing? Which could be said for how real estate agents, you know, assess value, which is by using the traditional data points. Which is like you said, it's not wrong. And it's, it's it's necessary, but are you doing enough, or or right, could you yeah. do more to when right. you go and sit down at a listing appointment to really separate yourself from the other agents that they interviewed who said, okay, here's your data points from the Maris or the MLS, here's the comparables, here's why I established the value, but then an agent comes in and says, I'm going to give you all that, but I'm going to show you some other things as well. Is mm -hmm. is am I understanding like that is probably mm -hmm. one of the biggest points here. Yeah, that that is that you're. That's right, Jeff. You're you're trying to get more information to to given to yourself and to your clients so that you can you can make them have them make better decisions and you can improve turnaround time for yourself. So there's going to be you know one thing you can work out is what is the optimal time to or the uh, optimal amount of days between the listing and the time something closes. Is there some optimal point? I mean, if you if it closes in three days and you have 50 offers and 
maybe that was underpriced, but if it closes in five years and you, you didn't get one offer, that seems like that's probably overpriced. If you can try to get this, push this data in and then figure out what's going on, then, then maybe you're, you're better equipped so that you're, you and your client don't hold the, don't either give away money at the beginning or, or you know, hold the, hold the inventory for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. You just don't want that to happen if you, if you can. Well, and right now we're living in a world, you know, and I can only speak to right now. Obviously, there's cycles throughout this industry and we're sure. in a very unique, challenging cycle right now. Oh, yeah. High interest rates, no inventory and super high prices, which is, you know, leaving, you know, two, two generations of humans out of home buying and sure. also, uh, you know, putting that baby boomer generation who wants to downsize, but economically it doesn't make sense to downsize because why would I go into a smaller home with a higher rate and have the same price? I might as well just stay here in my nice home. Right. Sure. And right. so we have that issue going on in our industry right now. Um, so I can see obviously that the value that I just described, which is, you know, mm -hmm. take your research and your data points one step farther when you're meeting with potential clients to really make yourself more of an authority than what you already have. But are there other ways to potentially use that, especially as we're discussing today's environment to use a principle like hypernomics to somehow grow their business? Yeah, the other thing this thing does, Jeff, is it it works out um, demand curves for the for industries. And so, in in economics, they talk about well, they have a long winded term for it. They call elasticities. We just call them slopes. And if the demand curve slope is really steep, that typically means that there's fewer there's there's more money at the top of the market for the expensive stuff than there is at the bottom of the market. If the demand curve is pretty flat. That, that's the opposite would be true. There's more money at the bottom of the market than there is at the top. And so virtually for most markets, there is more money at the bottom of the market than there is at the top. As, as I think we all know, there's only you know, a, a small handful of houses that sell for over 100 million. And there's you know, you know, a few more handfuls that sell for more than 10 million here in, in this state. And then it grows to a million. And then as you go down the, down the price, there's more and more and more. So the question would be is, well, you know, am I as a real estate agent better off trying to sell 10 $500,000 houses or am I going to be better off trying to sell, you know, um, two, two and a half million dollar houses? What's the best deal for me? And so, you know, there's, there's both the time and the, the commission and then the, all those other considerations. Now, if you've got a, a you know, I, I went to my high school reunion. I met a real estate agent that, or a broker that she's got 57 people working for her. So she needs to have, if she's got 57 brokers, well, she needs to have lots of properties. And so if she's looking at lots of properties, she needs to have a lot of homes at the, at, at, that aren't at the absolute top of that market in that state. They need to come, they need to be distributed across the middle and the low ends. And so what what's the best way to figure out how to do that. Well, this is working out the demand for this is another thing you could do to figure out how to optimize for that. Got it. And how would one do so? Well, there, there's, we have this little tool that we could, that we imply that we, uh, that, that we imp implement in which we work out the, how many houses sell by various price bins. 
and then you sum up how much everything's been sold in a bin. So you've got the total quantity of sales in a bin, then you've got the average revenue in a bin, and then you take these points, the total quantity, the average price, and you figure out the, the shape of this curve. And if it's, if it's flat, like, like I said, it probably is, that's telling you that there's more money to be made at the low end of the market rather than the high end of the market. Now, if you've got one of your partners, for example, lives in Westlake, for him, if his circle of friends is Westlake, Malibu, and, uh, and Carpinteria, say he's going to want, he's going to be at the other end of the scale. He's going to find a lot of high end homes and he might be able to be better off by catering to the really top end of the market. So as, as my wife watches this show and maybe some of your, your viewers do, uh, selling Sunset, they they sell a lot of really expensive homes there, and, and who wouldn't want to be an agent there? And uh, you know, the question there becomes: Is you know, do I want to take on one ten million dollar house, or do I want to take on two five million dollar houses? And uh, this would help you try to figure out what's the best thing to do for you. All right, uh, and so what? What is the you know, so, so I, you, this, to me, it sounds like this is a lot of, uh, it's data points more than anything. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Um, what about, you know, application once you then establish the data points other than just using it as elevating your status as an authority by providing maybe more, um, what are some other ways like the, the, like the leader that you described, which I assume she's a leader of, of over other yeah. agents, you know, how is someone, how is someone like that applying this to use it to her advantage? So it's, you, you establish this stuff, but then what do I do with it? And the same for an agent, uh, you know, so if an agent sitting here saying, okay, I get it, but now what can I do with it? That's really going to move my needle. Well, uh, to be clear, nobody's using it just yet because this is an emergent technology. I mean, the, the book's coming out in January and the software is ready for sale and we've, we've sold a few copies. We haven't sold them to realtors yet. So I want to clarify that, but the, how an agent would use it is, They'd probably hire at first that most most uh, real estate agents would probably hire a, a technical person to come in. I mean, just like you hire somebody for your website, maybe you would hire a tech to come in and do the analytics on this or a service. Mm -hmm. And then you'd, you'd show the houses that you want to sell. Those houses would be pushed into this database. The database would come back with an answer. And you'd have some other estimates that would you could compare to the, the realtor's estimate, you know, other people in the firm, your client's estimate, and then the dreaded Zillow estimate. You could, mm -hmm. you could, you could, you know, you could work that out in among all these other things. It would not replace the, the agent's expertise where nobody's trying to take a, an agent's job here. What you're trying to do is you're trying to give them as we like to say, another tool in the bag, you, you give them something else to say, well, you know, we did the analytics on this and it says your house is worth a hundred thousand more than you, than you're posting it for. I know you want to get rid of it quickly, but I think if we put this house, your house, for example, up on the market for another hundred K, the analytics say it'll probably take us longer, but you know, in the end we should probably make more money or the converse might be true. Uh, very often you see these these agents saying that you know to somebody well you're you're way too optimistic on the price getting back to stone mansion that was way too mm -hmm. optimistic on the price same thing with the shard the suites in the shard they, they were too optimistic so people want to believe it's worth 
everything. But you know, when you can actually present them data and say, look, you know, the cops in this particular area, okay, that look makes it look like you're on the right track. That might be what you've looked at before. But when you look at, so again, to use Southern California as an example, somebody in Westlake might say that. But when you start to throw in Malibu into the Westlake thing, and Calabasas, another very wealthy town there. So, for example, if somebody in, in uh, Westlake might want to have the price that you have in Malibu. Well, Westlake is not on the ocean. Westlake, is, as the name implies, is around this man-made lake. So you're not going to get ocean view prices on lake view properties in Southern California, not. And so you need to be able to have the wherewithal to actually work out the the difference in the pricing. So it works out very interestingly that as you, you probably know this, but as you go closer and closer to the beach, the price gets higher and higher. Mm -hmm. And so this is a bit, way to quantify how, how high the prices get using that kind of data so that you don't, again, overprice it or underprice it. So it's be another tool that the realtor could throw into their collective bag and uh, say, hey, you know, I've, I've, I've got the comps, I've looked at the property, I, I've uh, and I've got this extra tool here where I've looked at the the all the other data that kind of just ferrets out what properties are worth, square footage, the lot size, the newness of the house, for example, and then the, where the realtor will come in too is the condition of the house. So the one thing that's not usually reflected in and what I've seen in, in how real estate postings is very few people actually address the condition of the house. So if, if you, this is, again, this is where the realtor comes into play is you, you can have a fabulously, you know, a house that appears fabulous on the internet and not know that it's got a mold problem mm -hmm. or not know that it's out here. We've got uh, termites. You may not know that you have a termite problem, or you may not know that you've got a bad roof. That's the, so the realtor is still going to be a key component to all this. And we're not, we're not suggesting at any point in time that we'd ever remove that from the, the realtor from the equation. But part of the equation would include this other bit that would show them what, you know, well, all things, you know, excluded the, you know, the, 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 the inspection of the house indicate that the house ought to be around this price. And then you could add some extra mm -hmm. secret sauce to that with your inspections and your observation of how the house is and, and put all that stuff together and come up with a, a price of the house that would be optimal. I see this as a potential uh, additional tool that a real estate agent might want to use, for example, when they, for an agent who's calling on uh, for sale by owners uh, to where you yeah. can take this to that for sale by owner and say, here's the additional data to, to, to reflect and, and really just make that homeowners think to themselves, oh gosh, if I'm trying to do this on my own without these data points, am I am I doing myself a disservice? And it just allows sure. you to essentially sell yourself on why they should hire a real estate agent versus trying to do it on their own. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's, that's a big part of this equation here. Yes. Sure. You know, and I, and I saw some of your other examples too, like it made sense. Like I noticed one of your uh, Instagram posts, for example, showed, you know, two different layouts of a restaurant tables mm -hmm. and why one layout uh, produced 25% more sales versus the previous month, just in simply adjusting, you know, it, it looked to mm -hmm. me like creating more opportunity to seat 
two seaters versus having a bunch of large right. tabletop mm-hmm. things. Um, and, and then there was another one about, uh, about a, a misassessment by a, a private jet that, that had this estimate mm-hmm. on what they wanted to sell, but they completely missed the mark. Um, and I guess that's where, that's where I'm struggling. Cause it, I can see how this can be so applicable, I guess, from a real estate perspective, other than what I've mentioned, which does make sense. Again, we're all looking for differentiation points. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for a real estate agent is understanding how diluted our industry really is, uh, in so many ways and, and, and what we're presenting to, to sellers and how we're marketing and branding ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. and using, different tools like something like hypernomics to create a differentiation point for what makes you different from what the seller or the consumer is going to hear from every other agent. Yeah, that would be another, you, you could just basically say, well, we've, we've, we've applied, you know, the, the MLS postings on this, we've got the, the things have been closed. We did the comps and oh, by the way, we did a hypernomics analysis on this and, and, threw that into the mix and it's slightly different than the other ones. And we'll tell you why. And that's what you get when you're using this tool is you get an extra, an extra observation on, on what's going on. So yeah. that, that's the, that's the point that we're trying to make. Awesome. And so you mentioned that it's uh, really at an infancy. So if somebody is fascinated with this kind of stuff or, or is curious to see, you know, how much additional value it can bring to their business, uh, when is that rolling out and how can they access it? Well, we've got the software is, is technically available for sale now, but what we're going to do is we're going to start forming classes here in a, in a couple of months. Uh, in the meantime, what somebody could do is they could uh, write me or they could write the company. You know, there's the info at hypernomics.com. They could write to that or they could write to me directly, uh, D Howarth, D H O W. A-R-T-H at hypernomics.com, H-Y-P-E-R-N-O-M-I-C-S.com. And we could give them some information. Um, no, I hadn't thought this through, but you know, just like, you know, people are putting together services for the postings, uh, you know, it sounds like what somebody needs to do is to download the software, create a surface service that uses the software to analyze the market and then push the data out into the, uh, into the public. So that, that, what is, that what is uh, the software cost? Like give somebody an idea of what they, what they uh, right now it's 19, $1,995 per seat per year. Um, per year. It, so you're talking about a hundred bucks a month, essentially. Yeah. 150, uh, you know, but I mean, in the real estate market where, you know, again, take your partner in Westlake, where you've got houses going for, Mm-hmm. I mean, the average price in Westlake's three million. The average price in Malibu is probably six. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take too many uh, commissions at five percent for or three percent for this to pay for itself. So yeah. that that would be the idea. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of money in real estate, and there's probably money being left on the table. And uh, you know, not every time you're going to leave money on the table. Some times you're going to hit a dead on, but you know. Statistically speaking, people miss. They miss low. They miss high. You know, yeah. what if you got it more right more often? That's what this is trying to do. It, it wouldn't claim to be perfect. It would just claim to say, well, this. You know, when we try to narrow the the, the realm of possibilities down, we're going to go from this range, and it might be skewed to being too high or skewed to being too low. We're going to try to neck the these possibilities down so that we're not 
you know, giving away the property too quickly or holding it for too long. Mm -hmm. So what I can um, do, um, I, I hadn't thought about this before, Jeff, but I can give you the examples of Stone Mansion and uh, the Shard and, and show you how, you know, how they were basically held up for, for you know, a long yeah. time because people didn't understand what they were doing. That'd be great. If you have links or something that we can share in our yeah. show notes, that would be fantastic. Uh, yeah. so, that, so that somebody could go go do some uh, some checking on this. Now, you, you mentioned the the cost per seat. Is that something that a brokerage or a leader could invest in and then the agents could also use it so you don't have to buy it for each individual agent? Or is that not something that you would promote? Uh, well, typically, I think what we would do, I, I don't know. We haven't thought that through. I, I, I guess... You know, if you can, if one, if you could have an agent at a, at a, at a, at a brokerage understand how to use it, they take the class, the class, there's a class that would be, the interesting thing about the class is it not only teaches the mechanics of the software, but the, the theory of hypernomics is, uh, it, it basically replaces most of modern economics. So there's a whole, what amounts to a college class that's, in fact, Wiley, my publisher, is promoting this as a textbook, so it's going to be used for college classes. So in advance of somebody actually using this, they have to get the theory of hypernomics, the application of the software, and then they go off and they use it. So anybody that wants to take the class and acquire the software, I mean, you could have one person at a real, at this, my brokerage, my friend that owns the brokerage up in, in uh, Washington State, she could send a realtor down that's, or a tech, down into the class that you could, he or she could take the class, buy the software, and then for a little less than $2,000 per year, they'd be off to the races, you know, doing these analytics. And if you're paying this person, you know, as another person to your office staff, if that person produces more than the cost of the person and the, uh, the software, well, you're, you're making money on it. And that, mm -hmm. the idea would be that you're, you know, especially in high priced areas, you're bound to be making money on that, doing that right away. So I think that'd be the best way is to have, have a tech from your firm. If you're, you've got a brokerage, come take the class, you know, buy the software, become immersed in what's going on. And then you're, you're off to the races. And so that, that's, that's what it could do. Awesome. I should tell you too, that, you know, we're, we're, we're very certain that it works in that uh, for just for a test, what we've done is we put, I put some of my own money into the stock market. So we, we went into the S&P 500 and started buying and selling stocks in the S&P 500. And we've been doing that for three and a half years. And as of yesterday, we were, we're 2.1 times, doing 2.1 times, 2 times as well as the S&P 500 over over three and a half years. So we're, well, we're pretty, pretty convinced that this stuff works very often, you know, and, and gets you in the right direction. Wow. Fascinating. And yeah. uh, the website too, I don't think you mentioned that it's hypernomics.com. It's H Y P E R N O M I C S hypernomics.com. Right. Uh, so you can go learn. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot on the website that you can, you can grab from that. And uh, there's contact info there as well. Sure. Uh, Doug, is there any uh, parting thoughts that you would have for our audience? No, but I, I want to thank you very much for having me on the show, Jeff. It's been uh, been my great pleasure. I, I I really think that real estate is an area in which hypernomics will naturally gravitate to. It's there. There's a there is a a, 
a cost to understanding the the, the theory and, and getting it up and running. But once you've got this up and running, I, I'm sure that it's going to pay for itself in brokerage houses across the United States and in the world. So uh, I it. think this is one of the places that it's most applicable to. So awesome. Yeah. Hopefully we're, okay. uh, we're at the forefront of, of that happening and, uh, uh, and, and some of our listeners can see the value and are interested in checking this out more. So, okay. uh, Doug, I appreciate, appreciate you uh, sharing your time and your knowledge with us and your story with us. And uh, uh, we look forward to watching uh, your journey. All right. Very, very good, Jeff. Thanks again so much for having me. I really had a good time here. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Agents Podcast. Hey, real estate agents, it's Tristan with Lab Code Agents. And a few years back, we introduced a company to the real estate world called Box Brownie. By this time, I think everyone's heard about Box Brownie and what they do. You use them to edit your pictures and to make floor plans and amazing eye-catching renders and virtual tours. They do everything for your pictures, for your properties, test them out, but they've got something new out and it's called Snap 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 which you can technically do everything on your phone. Go to boxbrownie.com, check them out. They also have this piece where you can input information and they will give you the marketing remarks for that property. That's a beautiful thing. Does AI copywriting for you. Do me a favor though, because we've got a great sale with them. Go to boxbrownie.com. Sign up today with the code LCAROCKS. That's R-O-C-K-S to receive three image enhancements, one day to dusk, plus $20 off your first project. And all customers receive 10 free AI copywriting jobs per month. There you go. Thank you so much. Let's get this started. Lab Coat Agents Podcast.